Welcome into the Bad Fan. This is the place to hear about your favorite sports and teams, but from a point of view that may go against the grain of a normal fan. I'm a little scratchy today, but I am your host, Cole Carter, and we are so glad to have you tuned in with us today. Today, we're getting ready for everything you need to know about sports, whether it be baseball, hockey, basketball, and still talking about soccer when we can. Um, <clears throat> so those of you listening along on Spotify today, and if you're viewing this on YouTube, then a big welcome to you. If you're on Spotify, hey, we're glad to have you on audio only, but if you're on YouTube, leave a li- leave a like and comment down below your favorite part of the episode today. And if you're new around here, go ahead and click subscribe. We'd be honored for you to do so. It only takes a second of your time and it's made better by clicking the bell below this video so you're always getting notifications for all our new videos and content that we're putting out from the Bad Fan. Well, guys, I cannot do this thing alone, so I'm joined by the fellas. You know them, Brandon and Steven. Guys, welcome in. Good to have the gang back together. How are we doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. I'm missing soccer already, but there has been some international games to keep me happy. Um, but yeah, doing well. Nice to see Steve back. Steve, glad to have you I back. am still a part of this thing. They haven't <laughs> kicked me off yet. No, I'm excited to be back. Um, talk some sports with my two buds. I love it. I love it. Well, guys, it's been a while since we've had the whole gang together, but there's been plenty of sports been going on. We've had, obviously, the end of the Premier League season, Champions League, but we've also been in mid-season form in Major League Baseball, catching the tail end of the NHL season, the NBA Finals going on, and that's where we're actually going to start today is with the NBA Finals. The Celtics and the Warriors are going at it head-to-head on this one. Uh, The Celtics took Game 1 120-108, to And you have the Warriors taking game two, uh, winning that one 107 to 88. So really not a close contest in game two. But game one, however, was a big game where the big switch came from the Celtics in the fourth quarter coming back to overtake the Warriors. So my question is this, guys, and whoever wants to answer is welcome to. But do the Celtics have any shot realistically of winning this series? Um, yeah, why not? I mean, they're there. They've already won a game away from home. Um, I think that they can. I think that they can do it. Um, I mean, I think they have a shot, I guess I'll say. I don't think they will win it, but I definitely think they have a shot. I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors, uh, Dr. Disrespect's team. I have to. Um, yeah, they're just a dynasty. Plain and simple. Yeah, I think that the Warriors are just too good. I mean, they've shown this time and time again that they do have that dynasty. They have, like, the talent. I think they showed that when Clay got hurt, when Steph got hurt, that those two really were the glue that stuck this thing together. But we've been seeing more and more how Draymond also fits in that puzzle just as much. So, you know, they don't have Kevin Durant this go-around, but they've shown that they have that talent to really make it through these playoffs. So I think the Celtics can't get it done. I think the Warriors honestly could probably win this thing out and win in five games. So um, that's my prediction. I'm sure we're probably right. It's a pretty safe bet, to be honest. But, um, yeah, we'll see how that series develops. I think game three is on Wednesday night, um, and then game four will be Friday night. So easy, easy watches this week with not a whole lot going on, except the NHL playoffs, which are also in the conference finals. So they have one more series left on each side in the East and the West. Uh, that Colorado Avalanche are taking on the Edmonton Oilers as we speak in game four. The Avalanche were looking to sweep the Oilers, but 
Oilers currently hold that lead in that one, so they're looking to force a couple more games to stay alive, maybe get the reverse sweep on the Avalanche, which would be pretty crazy to see. Um, and then between the Rangers and the Lightning, the Lightning are going for the three-peat, a team that I don't, a feat that I don't think has actually been done before, um, but the Rangers are looking to uh, take that series. They currently lead it two to one. So um, I was hoping, I think Brandon and I talked about this a little bit. We were hoping that the Lightning could get the three-peat. Um, is that still a realistic thing, Brandon? I, I don't know. Um, this Rangers team is very, very good. And like Jacob Barry, our friend, our uh, resident NHL expert, um, pointed out this Rangers goalkeeper is unreal. Um, so good. And the Rangers keep finding ways to score as well. Um, so they're up in the series 2-1. Um, they will play tomorrow, uh, that being Wednesday. Oh, Tuesday, excuse me. Um, so I, I don't know. I think this game will, or the series will go to seven games, to be honest. They're both very, very good. Um, do the Oilers have a chance? It's hard to say. So. The odds um, not happening are not for them. <laughs> very, very slim, but the Oilers, they have, you know, have Connor McDavid. Um, it's probably over for them, but they had a great season, but yeah. Um, man, I don't know who I'd predict. Obviously, I think the Avalanche will go to the finals, but between the Rangers and Lightning, it's going to be really hard to say. Yeah, and Jacob did say a good goalkeeper is the thing that can take you to a final, to a Stanley Cup final. So maybe he's right. Maybe the Rangers get done because of the strength of their goalkeeping. Um, but on to Steven's favorite sport, the one that he loves to talk about. Steven, what's your favorite sport, buddy? I like baseball. baseball. <laughs> yeah. But- Talk about top it. story. Yeah. Top story. I think for me coming out of the, the bigs this past week or so is Joe Girardi has been canned by the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, I thought this was a pretty early firing. Um, and you see this Phillies team, uh, it's a message to their fan base. They're not messing around. Uh, their fans are quick to criticize for sure. Um, spending so much money that they have broken the luxury tax threshold that they are paying now. Um, It's the most money they've ever spent on a roster in their franchise history. And they are also boasting the biggest playoff drought of any National League team currently, active streak. So with that being said, I have a question of who's to blame here. As uh, Joe Girardi, I think sometimes, I don't know, I think he was unfairly, not unfairly, the results weren't there for the Phillies. Something wasn't clicking and something wasn't working. Uh, but I think a lot of times managers can be a scapegoat to a bigger issue. Um, so, yeah, is it Girardi? Is it the Dom, uh, Dave Dombrowski, the GM for the Phillies? Um, the ownership, the problems go deeper? Um, or the baseball gods just smiting them? I mean, I don't know. Um, but the Phillies have replaced Joe Girardi with his longtime right-hand man, his bench coach, even when he was up in New York. Um, Rob Thompson, this guy has been a coach, an assistant coach or a bench coach in the major leagues for over like 25 years and never gotten the wow. chance to manage. So kudos to this guy. Um, he'll be in charge of riding the ship for the rest of this season. Um, but yeah, I just had a question of, yeah, who's to blame and also how important are managers really do we think here? Yeah. I mean, realistically it, it seems these days in the analytic era of baseball that 
managers are more of the figurehead. They're more so the like kind of spiritual leader of the group. Um, you know, maybe they're the ones keeping the locker room together. They're the ones, you know, bringing up like the motivational factor. So maybe Joe Girardi was not getting that done up in Philly. Um, it just seems like the managerial role, it's less so about the gut checks. Like I'm sure Bobby Cox was the ultimate gut check manager. He probably would have spat in the face of analytics sometimes. That could be right, could be wrong. I'm just saying that that might have been the case. And now with Brian Snicker in Atlanta, it's like, you know, very analytical base. But still those guys have to make decisions sometimes. And Joe Girardi, what, their team is 10 games under 500 or so. Um, I mean, they're a team that was supposed to be competing in the NL East. So I don't think managers matter as much as they did eight years ago especially you know that Phillies team back in 08, 09. I mean, those were great teams, and um, it's hard to imagine that they haven't made the playoffs since then. But it's true. They haven't been in 12 years. And so, yeah, it's a necessary change, it seems like. You know, you come into the season expecting big things. You can't get that done early. Go ahead and bite the bullet. Bring in a new face and see what you can do with what influence they may have. Maybe this guy can bring a big change to Phillies. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with a good amount of that. Um, I don't know who's to blame in this situation. I think the Phillies were, have been poor and underperformed the last couple of years. Um, is it time for Joe Girardi to move on? Probably. Uh, <laughs> so maybe it's just, you know, one of those match made in heaven. Time to, you know, turn a new page in the, in the Phillies world. But how important are managers in baseball? It's a good question. I think they're much more important than managers in the NBA by far. Um, so as far as professional sports go, other than soccer, obviously, uh, I think baseball managers definitely do play a role and, and their coaching staff, not just them. Um, but, you know, they're the ones that the final call comes down to usually. Um, pitching changes, lineup changes, you know, all that stuff. So, I think they have a big role still in, in the game, um, but maybe not as much as, as the past. Yeah, and I'm going to take this to uh, Dave Dombrowski. He built this team basically saying, we are going to hit a lot of home runs and win. They are one of the worst defensive teams in Major League Baseball. They have the worst amount, I believe, defensive runs saved in the entire league. They are horrible on defense. And Joe Girardi, I think, was never put in a place really to succeed. And I think you had to give him more time. This was his only second year managing the club. And I think about a situation a little bit further up the road in Queens. Buck Showalter also interviewed for this Phillies job. Gabe Kapler wasn't Philadelphia enough for the Phillies. He didn't fit the culture. And Joe Girardi did so it's kind of from here i don't know where you go it's you know if buck showalter was in the situation in philly instead of new york i think the exact same thing would have happened um which begs the whole thing of managers and i love brian snicker to death and this might be a hot take i don't know braves didn't win the world series because of brian snicker uh that just didn't happen braves won the world series because of the trades we made at the deadline and the players playing 
way above their capabilities. It's Dansby Swanson hitting 27 home runs, Austin Riley being an MVP candidate, and it comes down to the players. Um, there's, I think, the manager a lot of times just to not get in the way. Um, but this Phillies team, man, I as a Braves fan, I love to watch them suffer, and I hope they never make it to the playoffs again. Um, but yeah, talking about that Mets team. They are eight and a half games ahead of the Braves right now. The Braves just waving hello in the rearview mirror for them um, in second place right now. And yeah, I, I just, I don't think anybody's going to catch the Mets in this, in this NL East division. Um, Scherzer right now on the shelf, um, as well as we talk about Jacob deGrom, just like Brandon always likes to talk about. He's like these injuries, but so far far the Braves are a team that doesn't like spending too much time over the Mendoza line of 500 um and so there's really no threat to them right now um yeah I think this Mets team is is going to run away with this division um I even think they make trades at the deadline to get even better um yeah what do you guys think go ahead Brandon um, just on one of your last points, yeah, it's always going to be the players, right? The game is for the players. The players are the ones on the field doing doing the business. But um, and also, it depends on what you know what ball club you're in. Some managers have a big role. Um, was it Dave Roberts? Golly, maybe he does too much. Um, but like, you know what I mean? So maybe depending on the role in the club, you know, at, at the baseball club, that all matters. But yeah, it always comes down to the players, I think. Um, as far as the Mets and the Braves, uh, thank God the Braves are finally over 500. Um, Five-game win streak at this moment. The Mets, I mean, the Mets are better than us. But again, they're another another pitching injury away from 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 hitting a slump. So, I mean, if Scherzer keeps getting bit by his dog or whatever is going on with him, <laughs> weirdo, um, who knows what what could happen? But I mean, obviously, I don't want injuries to happen. Um, but it just seems like a plague in, in the Mets organization. Um, they look way better than us. Um, I think the Braves have not hit any sort of ceiling this year and are hopefully going to get in the groove of things. I think it would be a lot closer come, what is it, September um, after after all the trade deadlines and all that. So we'll see. Yeah, the thing that the Braves have going for themselves right now is they're getting um, runners in scoring position and scoring. Um, they had a really, really big game. I think one in Arizona and then one in Colorado. They scored a crap ton of runs. So getting those bats alive, you know, we talked about Dansby. Um, I think in the month of May, he was hitting like 320 or so, um, starting to pick up that bat that really people in April were saying, oh, here's, he's done, he's washed up, he has a contract year, you know, whatever. He was not going to be able to support what he did last year. Uh, but he's shown that he can hit the ball. Uh, Matt Olson starting to wake up a bit. He's still hitting a lot of doubles, but he's starting to hit some more balls over the fence. And obviously Austin Riley um, starting to wake up. So the Braves bats are waking up. The pitching is doing its job for the most part. Uh, the starting pitchers at least have been doing really well. Max Freed had some really good performances lately, uh, but the bullpen still looking shaky at times. And so they've won five straight right now, but to catch the Mets, um, that's going to be a tall task. And so, like we said, it's a matter of durability right now. If the Mets can stay healthy, it's theirs to lose. Um, but if they do find some injuries popping in, then the Braves might find their way um, in, in at least division. But I think realistically, they'll be looking to secure one of those wild card spots, probably along with, I'd imagine, uh, San Diego and probably the Giants in San Francisco. So 
whichever team wins the West, the other two teams I'm sure will be in the wild card, which leaves one team probably being the Atlanta Braves or maybe like a, I don't know, who's, is this, are the Cardinals winning the Central right now, Steven? Uh, they are in second place, I believe. So um, them and the Brewers, so. Yeah, behind the uh, Brewers. So that's the thing. The Braves are fighting one of those two teams for that last wild card spot. So it's going to be tight. Obviously, there's so much baseball left to play. We've seen this story before in you know, the Nationals of 2019. The Braves last season that anything can happen from summer all the way to October. So lots and lots of baseball to play still. But the other team in New York, they're 39-15. and 15. Are we buying this Yankees team with the Mets team as well? Uh, yes, we are. Um, oh. But you can hit as many home runs as you want in the regular season, but when you face really good um, pitching in the postseason, you're going to get bitten. Um, that's just, you know, the Bronx Bombers typically run into that in the playoffs, um, at least the past couple seasons, so we'll see if it bites them again. But, yeah, I'm buying into them. They're very, very, very good. Steve, yeah, I think – I, I was talking to a uh, shout out Jake Smith um, when they went on their, I think they're like their eight, nine game winning streak earlier on in this season. And I was talking to him. I said, Hey, like big time Yankees fan. And I said, um, what do you think? Are y'all for real? And he said, I don't know. I wish this winning streak didn't happen this early. I don't know what to think. And so I think going into the year, the expectations for the Yankees definitely were not to be, at tied with the Mets for the best record in baseball I, and the Dodgers. I don't think that was the expectation, um, but that's where they're at right now. Um, they got a fun team. Um, Anthony Rizzo is absolutely crushing the ball, not to mention Aaron judge with already 21 home runs on his contract year playing like a madman. Um, but this is a super, field, but, yeah, yeah, on a little league field. It doesn't matter. He's sitting at 50 feet over the fence anyways. Um, but, yeah, I think this team playing in the hardest division in baseball, that's maybe I'm a tad bit skeptical, at least on winning the division. I definitely think they're a playoff team. Um, they still have to deal with my Tampa Bay Rays, um, Cole's Boston Red Sox, and the Blue Jays in second place right now. And, honestly, the Orioles for a last-place team in the division is a pretty good last-place team. Um, but yeah, I think it's real. One of those teams that kind of not necessarily came out of nowhere because they always have the big payroll, um, but definitely overperforming right now. Yeah. Um, it's hard to find, you know, gaps in the Yankees game right now. Um, early on we were clowning on Aaron Boone's ability to be a good manager. Um, but it seems like he's gotten the boys rallied up on this cause of playing good baseball, um, coming in day in and day out winning games, um, you know, either by a lot of runs or coming back um, late to, to get the wins late. So the Yankees have been getting the job done. Um, it's a long season, but they have the talent. That's the thing. They have the talent. Uh, Matt Carpenter coming in recently, um, getting yeah. some yaks and like, yeah, that's so weird. Yeah. When he left the Cardinals, it so was like, weird. he's done. Right. Um, but he's had the, quite the revival up in New York and the Bronx. So, they're getting the support from everyone that can give it right now. So I think the Yankees finally win the AL East. Uh, I think it's been a couple of years. They've been making the wild card and losing. Um, they did make the 2017 um, American League um, pennant, but they lost to the Cheaters that year. So it uh, it might be their year to make it to the World Series. I don't know. 
um, but they're surely looking the part right now. Maybe they'll have an all New York World Series this year. That would be a pretty crazy sight to see. Um, we talked about Atlanta. Uh, is there anything, maybe some teams like Atlanta, um, who should we expect to be dealing this summer as we approach the deadline season? Yeah, I mean, I think the Braves, um, I think the Braves, after seeing the benefits of going out and making a bunch of trades, uh, last trade deadline, I think they'll be pretty active um, this year. Uh, somebody who I would love, um, that I think Atlanta needs right now, um, would be some pitching, some starting pitching depth, um, maybe some old reliable playoff energy, maybe somebody that likes to get thrown out of games, play with some animation, hits home runs, Madison Bumgardner uh, from Arizona. Arizona is a horrible baseball team. Um, they lost 110 games last year, and Madison Bumgardner is on a five-year contract with $85 million owed through him to 2024, and he's pitching pretty well right now. Um, and I think – if I were a GM and I were Atlanta or much other teams, um, I think Madison Bumgarner will be off that team. And it's kind of getting to that weird point of who's going to shoot first in regards to trades. Um, it's always weird of when, when does trading start? Who gets the best deal first? Who's going to commit to actually competing for the playoffs and who's going to sell? Um, so this is honestly one of my favorite times of the year. Cause I get to see teams come out of nowhere, just trade all their best players away or teams sell all their best players. And I don't know. It's I'm really excited for it. We were talking a little bit in the pregame. We were typing all this up and getting ready talking about the Red Sox. You know, they're third right now in that wild card spot. And you know, I was saying how I thought that they were going to be competing this season. Obviously I picked them to be my world series team and it's that critical moment, right? Is it, are we going to buy? Are we going to, you know, we have guys, contracts ending at the end of this season that, you know, if we can't get a deal done with them contractually, then we'll ship them off and either bring in some young talent that will, you know, grow and kind of rebuild a little bit, or, you know, we'll get a deal done and win the season and maybe those guys will walk like a Freddie Freeman situation, you know? So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. There's so many teams that are, I think in the American league that we'll see fighting for those wild card spots. Um, it's going to be really, really competitive, especially you might have four ALS, AL East teams in the playoffs. The most teams that can make the playoffs in Major League history this season, and we might have four from one division. So pretty crazy. Um, obviously, it's fun to see deadline deals. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a game of uh, who will shoot first, a little Mexican standoff. So um, yeah, I'm curious. I'm excited too. It's It's a fun time to be a baseball fan for sure. Brain, you got anything to add to this one? That's okay. Beautiful. Sorry, well, my my mute button was giving me a hard time. Uh, no, nothing to add. You guys are the more base the baseball experts than I am. So I love. I, I, I would love to see Madison Bumgarner. I will say that's been rumored for forever now. I feel like forever, yeah. Uh, since I was in college and. We didn't take that bad deal back then, and if it's going to be a bad deal for us now, I don't think we'll take it, but um, we will see. We as in the Braves. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to see now that soccer's sort of over, um, start watching more baseball, get back into it, um, yeah, and get excited going to the fall where it starts to get real hairy. Real hairy. <laughs> and then the last last thing we'll hit on in the Major League Baseball world um, – 
kind of the player to watch right now. There's been some players that have been really going off. Uh, Steve, who's the guy that you've like seen go off for the past couple of weeks in Major League Baseball? Yeah, um, I have a thing for mustaches and um, my man Nestor Cortez for the New York Yankees. He's a starting pitcher, leads all of Major League Baseball right now with a 1.50 ERA. Um, He's got 60 innings pitched in 10 games, so averaging around six innings per start. So he's a horse, 68 strikeouts, and he has a .87 whip, walks, hits per innings pitched. this guy is a big part of the reason uh, why these Yankees have one of the best records in baseball. Um, came out of relatively nowhere. Um, last year, he entered the year as a reliever um, and then finished out being a starter and with a really dangerous ERA. But no one really expected this at all. Um, and if the Yankees can get another Garrett Cole without having to pay another Garrett Cole, um, that's going to work out for them. Uh, to add some pitching, like Brandon was saying, is something that the Yankees have been missing. And I think Nestor Cortez, since like last May um, in 2021, that is, has had like a 2.5 year array. So I think he's potentially legit. He's 25, I think, 27-ish, maybe around that area. So um, this is a guy that I've been looking at that's making a big difference um, granted the expectation going into this year, no one expected him to be the ace of the New York Yankees right now. Yeah, and he's been mixing up too. He's had those kind of funky wind-up deliveries, trying to throw people off like he did to Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani, yeah. <laughs> more memorable one, but yeah, he has been dealing this season. Um, and you answered my question too. I was trying to remember if he was a reliever or not, but yeah, he did come in relief last season. Now he's making those big starts. I think the one for me to watch has just been Paul Goldschmidt tearing it up in St. Louis leading that team um, you know, to that either central division spot or that last wild card spot. He's been leading the NL in batting average. He has the most hits in the National League, second in RBIs, and he also unfortunately just had a 25-game hit streak snap. So he's been on fire. Um, this Cardinals team, I mean, they have Nolan Arenado as well, and Adam Wainwright's been dealing. Albert Pujols is back. Yadier Molina, again, those three guys right off from the sunset together, is it destiny for the Cardinals? Like, it might be this season. They can finally round it up all together and maybe find themselves in the World Series this year. It might be uh, the St. Louis Cardinals year. So I'm keeping my eye on, on them, especially Paul Goldschmidt, as he might find himself winning a National League MVP potentially. Um, but enough about baseball. Uh, we're going to catch the last things of soccer for this kind of 2021-2022 season of uh, play. Uh, beginning with the UEFA Cup of Champions. Uh, Brandon, this will be your area of expertise. Give us a little roundup of what uh, has been going on recently. Um, so it was Italy versus Argentina. Um, it's like, it's the CONMEBOL, which is the South American tournament. Um, and then the UEFA, um, why am I blanking? Um, it's the European, Euro the Euro Champions, yeah. Um, so Italy um, beating England last year. Um, yeah, they played in poor Italy, man. They just did not look good. <laughs> it's probably why they're not going to this next World Cup, uh, which is so crazy to think. I mean, they have a, great players on their team. Um, they just won the Euros, and they're now not going to a World Cup, and they look bad against Argentina. Um, Arturo Martinez... Di Maria with a cheeky chip and Paulo Dybala at the death to score. 
uh, three nothing. You know, I, I, I think this Argentina team is very, very good going into this World Cup. I think Messi just scored five the other day in a friendly. Um, Against Estonia, not saying a whole lot, but it's impressive. That's the second time he scored five goals in one game before. It's crazy. He's just – he's so, so good. Um, so, obviously, this sort of cup doesn't really matter, but it's another trophy um, for Argentina, another trophy for Messi. Um, but what do you guys think about Argentina going into this this World Cup? I don't know if it's safe to say that they're favorites, but are they in that top tier of, of national teams that you think are going to make a deep run? Uh, I know we don't have the, like the schedules pulled up yet or the groups, but um, – I don't know. What do you guys think about Argentina? I think that since Emmy Martinez has played goalie for them, he has not lost a game. Um, they haven't lost a game, I think, since early in 2020, maybe, or something. Whatever. It's been a long time since they even lost a game. Uh, they're back three. Uh, Odomendi, Christian Romero, and whatever. One of the defender have, like, barely conceded any goals. I think they've had, like, an insane amount of clean sheets in a row. So you pair that with their front three, um, you're having Di Maria, if it's Paulo Dybala or if it's Messi, you know, like they're, they're pretty insane. So yeah, I think expectations are high coming into November for the World Cup. Um, in 2014, they found themselves in a final and, you know, came close to winning a final. But um, I think obviously this is probably Messi's last shot, realistically, you know. Just, I mean, he could he could stay healthy. He could find himself playing again. But um, I think this is his time. And what better squad to have right now than a really strong defensive unit, a really great goalkeeper in his prime, and then three great uh, attackers. So I think they have a good shot at finding success in 2022. Yeah, um, they're really good. <laughs> uh, that's really my analysis. I would expect them to at least get to the semifinal. Um, yeah, Messi's last time around, Dybala. That's the thing, too. A lot of these players are in their prime. Uh, Paulo Dybala, um, Messi has obviously just been the GOAT. Um, yeah, and Lataro Martinez uh, is really coming to his own like with so many seasons of being dominant. And so you get three players up top in their prime. I know Messi's not really in his prime, but again, when you're talking about Messi or Ronaldo, it doesn't really matter um, what age you're really talking about with them right now. So yeah, uh, they're definitely my pick to go to a semifinal for sure. Um, they are that good. Yeah. Um, and I definitely agree with you guys, them and who they beat in their, um, common bowl championship, which, uh, it was Brazil. I think Brazil is very, very good as well. Um, usually they're always good and usually they're always overhyped, but this Brazil team I think is very serious. Um, so we'll be looking out for them come November. Um, but another, um, international set of games, the world cup playing games, um, we've been waiting for these for a while now, it seems, actually. Um, but Ukraine played Scotland, was it last week, I believe? Mm. Uh, and the Ukrainians Incredible. did win 3-1. Um, it was a great game. It, the crowd was in like it. It looked like destiny. It looked like destiny. <laughs> it seemed like it didn't. Yarmolenko just becoming a like a beast with his left foot again. Um, yeah, it seemed they had this like magic force behind them. Um, 
they go to play Wales in the final game. The winner goes to the World Cup. And um, Gareth Bell, I think Gareth Bell kicks a shot off of Yarmolenko. Um, huge deflection, and it goes in. And that was the only goal of the game. It was a good game, too, actually. So go back and check the highlights out. Um, but, of course, it's Gareth Bale, um, probably the best left foot I've ever seen. I think we always say that, um, leading his Welsh team to the World Cup. Um, did you guys see this coming? Um, we knew Bale would lead Wales, but did you see, like, the Welsh getting through? Um, I don't know. I, was, I wasn't surprised, but I was just – I, I don't know. It's 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 so cool to watch these games that have so much meaning behind it, especially with the stuff that's going on in Ukraine, um, and then the whole bail story about <laughs> Real Madrid and all that. Um, yeah, it's it's been pretty incredible. It's a great flicked on header by Yarmolenko to score. Um, but obviously, I think both of these teams are going to be scary um, because now Wales will join the U.S., Iran, and England for their group in the World Cup. So. Um, either team I thought was going to be dangerous. You know, obviously Ukraine has so much to play for right now. You can just see the emotion each game that they play, just like having the weight of the world. They're holding their country up, you know, in this insane time and being invaded by Russia that it felt like they, like I said, it was like destiny almost. But, um, you know, they fell short. But now Wales has their first World Cup appearance in like 64 years. Like we talked about Gareth Bale, his first time in World Cup, obviously coming off of his fifth Champions League win. Um, his when he showed up at Real Madrid, they hadn't won a Champions League in over a decade, and then they went five with him in his tenure. Um, obviously, like he's a special, special player, and like Wales is looking like a great team as well. Um, the defense has stepped up. Like players like Ben Davies from Tottenham has shown up wildly. Um, Aaron Ramsey still can contribute to this team. So Wales is dangerous. Um, I don't know if they can do crazy things in the World Cup, but they're going to be a scary team that could probably steal some points. Um, maybe they could flip through and find that second spot in Group F with the United States, England. Yeah, I think the thing that scares me about Wales is Gareth Bale. Um, I think when it comes to world class, and we're talking about World Cup tournament, we're talking about internationally, Gareth Bale's world class. Um, he's demonstrated that every single game with Wales. Um, you can say what you want to say about his Real Madrid career over the past few years, but um, the contrast with the United States, I don't think the United States has a world-class player on the roster. Um, and we might have a better roster. We got a lot of that young squad and talent and stuff like that. But soccer, man, you know, it's a game that can change just like that. And you look for people that can make magic moments. And I think Gareth Bale has a scrapbook full of them just from this qualifying period alone. Um, and yeah, he's, he cares so much about this Welsh national team. He's done it. He's won it all. He's won the champions league. He's won every league. I feel like he's played in besides the premier league, but anyways, and you get these United States guys that I think the Welsh mafia, I think these United States guys are excited to play and excited to be here in this world cup. Um, but it just goes without saying that it means a hundred times more to Gareth Bale than it does to there, the United States star player of Christian Pulisic or McKinney or wherever you really want to slot in there. Um, so I'm scared as the United States fan of, uh, of Wales. Um, so, but it's going to be a fun group and there's going to be a lot of fun games. I'll say one more quick thing. Uh, we saw how rough a time Zach Steffen had 
and the was it the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup? Um, I'd be scared to see what might happen with Gareth Bale running at him. So we'll see what that looks like come November. I wouldn't be too worried about that. But it is Wales, Golf, Madrid, right? I think that's the, the in order. that order. In that order. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Gareth Bale is definitely a scary sight to see. Um, but they will be going to the World Cup. Um, now there's some other games up for grabs here, other spots up for grabs, if you will. Um, the United Arab Emirates are going to play Australia the day this releases on June 7th. Um, the winner will then go on to face Peru a week later in Doha, I believe. Um, and then the winner of that will go to the World Cup. So out of those three, how do you think it'll play out? Um, I feel like Australia naturally probably has some better players. They've been in the World Cup a couple of times, probably used to being on that stage. So just that experience might take them. Uh, but Peru, I think, um, is it Rui Diaz is Peruvian? Um, yep. So he'll probably look to carry Peru. That'll be a really good matchup, actually. And then Costa Rica, New Zealand. Um, Costa Rica made the round of 16, either one or two World Cups ago. They have some talented players. Kaylor Navas, if he's healthy, I know he had that injury against the U.S. Um, in that last game that we played against them. So um, I'd probably favor Costa Rica in that matchup as well come June 14th. But, um, yeah, it's exciting to have these World Cup playoff games to watch. Um, still some great soccer to watch early in the summer um, before we have a long hiatus until these major uh, leagues return back in August. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to echo that. I think Australia is going to take care of the UAE um, and Peru. I don't know. I just like to see um, you see what it means to the players. Not that it doesn't mean anything to us, like other players around the world, specifically with Australia, but it's not a normal thing for Peru to necessarily be in the World Cup. So I would just love to see them make it. Um, and I actually think New Zealand uh, might upset Costa Rica. I don't think they've looked good um, in this qualifying period from the games that I've watched. And... Yeah, I don't know. That that round of 16 magic is, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, maybe we can get it through. But um, Kaylor Navas are bust. And if Kaylor Navas ain't there, it's going to be a bust. Yeah. Well, I, I would say Peru and Costa Rica to go through to the World Cup. Um, but we will see. So be watching those games. Um, in more international soccer, the U.S. men's national team played. Hey, uh, but the games didn't matter. They were just friendlies. Um, thankfully or not thankfully, I don't know. Um, but yeah, USA took on Morocco uh, and they won three nothing with Aronson Wea and Haji Wright from the penalty spot scoring. Uh, did you guys catch this game? I did not. But Brennan Aronson, fresh off of his move to Leeds, getting the nice goal. Um, off of the amazing touch from Christian Pulisic, the ball over the top from Walker Zimmerman, great touch, um, getting into the box and looking to his left, and Aronson puts it away. So clinical from the Americans um, early on, um, and then Timothy Weah get on the score sheet. I think he's done a couple of times, it seems, in this kind of period with the U.S. men's national team. So um, I like to see that from Brendan Aronson. He's looking to solidify his position on this team. Um, so good 3-0 win for sure from the U.S. on that one. Yeah, yeah, I just watched the highlights in there, and it was it was it was good. Uh, I'm really keen on that Timothy Weigel. He's going to be huge for the U.S. Um, in this qualifying. I mean, in this uh, World Cup campaign coming up here soon. But um, yeah, 
Yeah, there was some a little bit of controversy after the game. Christian Pulisic came out. And it's sort of like unlike him, but I, I love it, to be honest. Um, he had a quote saying he's not particularly happy with the amount of Americans that were there tonight. Um, he did say he, he did end up thanking the fans that did come and support. Um, but what do you guys make of this? I mean, there's so many ways to think about it, right? Like pr- ticket prices are just can be stupid expensive, especially for a family of four in Cincinnati. Right. Um, but it is the U S men's national team. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know, Steve, what do you, do you have any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, rinse repeat with the U S men's national team here. I think it was not too long ago where the U S played in New York city against some CONCACAF team or CONCACAF team in South America. And it was an away game um, in New York City, right? <laughs> and so I think the U.S. has just struggled um, regardless having home field advantage. Uh, us three got the the privilege to go watch the U.S. go play against Honduras up in Columbus and freeze our butts off. But um, even then, a lot of Honduras fans there. Um, there was definitely predominantly the United States, but I think – yeah, it just the sport just means more to other people. To be frank, I think the U.S. doesn't the U.S. men's national team, the like the U.S. organization, I should say, like soccer organization, doesn't do any favors by these ticket prices. Um, and you really should be trying to inspire these younger fans, this generation of of supporters, to get into the game. Um, do more in the community, get out there, do marketing more, you know, make the ticket prices cheaper, do the family pack, whatever it is. And I don't know, I think as a United States fan, knowing that our philosophy is to freeze out our opponents on our home games is getting kind of old for me. Um, just because we beat Mexico a couple of times in the old crew stadium and the stats should back it up too, but it's weak. And I think this comment goes out towards, mainly U.S. Soccer Federation as opposed to the actual fans. Because, um, I mean, Christian Pulisic knows it. I mean, every soccer player knows it. Every fan knows it, that the U.S. is just part of the cool thing about the country. You know, we have people of very different nationalities um, and not a lot of U.S. Americans that love our own national team. Um, missing last World Cup cycle didn't help, Um but yeah, it's it's a story that we've heard so many times. A lot of those home World Cup qualifiers, I think, were sold out, had really great um, attendances. But maybe don't play your friendly in Cincinnati, Ohio, and expect a large crowd against Morocco, a team that doesn't even have its star players playing. So, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised by the attendance, and I'm not surprised by Christian's comments. I think they're a welcome change to people just being honest instead of sucking up um, to whatever. You know, it's it's okay to have criticism. It's okay to have an opinion. And if the U.S. soccer wants to see its growth, then market yourself better. Market, you know, uh, watchable opponents that are going to have good players playing. If it's the middle of June and we're playing Morocco, they don't have their star players and we're not playing for anything, yeah, I'm not going to pay $45 plus to go sit in the nosebleeds in Cincinnati, Ohio, to be frank. And so, um, especially coming off Memorial Day weekend, people just traveled a lot, spent a lot of money then. You're already in a, a weird economic situation. So really not surprised at all. I welcome the comments, and I think that's about it I have to say. And that's real quick. And going back when we were all roommates in college, I tried to buy – this is something silly. 
but maybe it says something about U.S. soccer. I tried to buy a Weston McKinney jersey, and do you guys remember this? Yeah, I tried to buy a Weston McKinney jersey. Man, bought it, everything. It's going to come through the mail. I get an email from U.S. soccer. It's like, oh, yeah, we don't have any more jerseys. I was like, oh, if Weston McKinney, I like, can get a different jersey. Like, no, we just we just don't have any jerseys for sale. And I was so – it was the weirdest thing. It's like they don't – if you could just, it's just so lazy. We have the most money almost in, anyways, I'm not going to, I'll get off the soapbox real quick, but it's just a funny like reminder. I was like, oh yeah, that one time I tried to buy a U.S. soccer jersey and they just didn't have any jerseys and it wasn't for any reason. They just got back to me and said, yeah, we just don't, aren't selling jerseys. I was like, okay. If only <laughs> we had a global supplier in our country that was the biggest most well-known brand that would help us get jerseys to sell oh wait you're wearing it i'm wearing it you're oh nike wow if only we had a better partnership with nike that literally could give us those jerseys yeah it is crazy you can't like you can't even customize jerseys right now i don't think it must be a weird naming rights deal i don't know what it is you can't get jerseys with players names in the back very silly very poor way to market and grow the game um, I definitely agree. It's something that they need to work on. But um, we'll finish out the soccer uh, on the domestic side, move over back over the pond to the Premier League. Uh, some big news coming out of West London. Uh, Chelsea's takeover has finally been completed. Ty Bailey uh, has led his consortium and completes their £4.25 billion takeover of Chelsea, ending Roman Abramovich's 19-year reign. Uh, he obviously saw lots of success, winning 21 trophies, including five Premier League titles and two Champions Leagues. Uh, pretty impressive. Um, pretty incredible purchase price as well. $4.25 billion is insane. We saw another one here in the U.S., the Denver Broncos, fetching a $4 billion price tag. But uh, this is a new record, uh, especially coming from England, a pretty impressive price. Um, after months of negotiations, Lots of back and forth and issues dealing with sanctions and whatnot. The deal was finally approved last week um, when the government received legal guarantees that Abramovich, who obviously has Russian connections um, to the oligarchy and all that, had his US, UK assets frozen, uh, would not benefit from this sale. So it was something they felt confident about. Uh, Todd Bailey's a part owner of the LA Dodgers and I believe one or two other teams. So they felt confident about the American uh, team coming in and helping to take over Chelsea. So the assets that don't go directly to the team um, will actually uh, will be frozen in the UK bank accounts. The government has received further assurances that that money will go to support humanitarian causes in Ukraine. So kind of crazy situation. Uh, but the big thing now is they have to look forward, right? Um, you got to find new sponsorships. The three sponsor on the shirt will probably be gone now. You have to find new deals for that. Uh, players coming in and out. You lost someone like Antonio Rudiger. You couldn't get a deal done during the season. He goes to Real Madrid. There's Alex Pequeta go to Barcelona. So you have lots of guys in and out. Lots of business to be done in a short two-month period of time. Even less than that if they want a full preseason. So time to get down to business for Chelsea. What's the outlook you know, for this season and down the road for Chelsea, guys? What can we look forward to? I'll say... Uh... I don't know. It's tough. Roman Abramovich pumped money into that team. He got them to where they are now. And I mean, they're top four, but they're not competing for the top spot. And I feel like that's, 
where they would want to be. Now, after a season of a weird transfer with Lukaku, to be honest, um, not hanging on to Rudiger, who's probably their best player. Um, yeah, these American owners might not get it. They might not fully understand. And it's a consortium, right? It's a whole group of them. But they might not fully grasp what what this Chelsea football club is completely about. Um, I hope it goes well for Chelsea. You don't want to see a historic club like that just fall. But I think they could be dropping into like the eighth place <laughs> the table. Wow. I really think like – Maybe maybe not this next year, but I just don't see another ownership group willing to pump money in like Roman Abramovich did. Um, so I'd be very interested to see. I mean, what what happens with Tuchel? Like, who knows what happens there if the manage you know if the the consortium doesn't like him as a as a manager? Like, I don't know what they're gonna do this off season if they're gonna rock the boat or what, but. I'd be very, very nervous if I wasn't already, which if you're a Chelsea fan, you probably are. Um, I'd be very nervous going into this this next two to five years. Steven? Yeah, um, you kind of took the words a little bit out of my mouth there. I don't think they'll go as far as eight uh, this next season, but um, maybe, honestly. I definitely think I can't see them finishing top four. This is a team that, honestly, didn't finish too far ahead of Tottenham. Um and spent way more money than Tottenham. You have Lukaku talking to Inter, begging to come back, basically. Uh, I think it'll happen, a loan move away. Um, talks of Ziyech wanting to leave, Timo wanting to leave. I feel like every Chelsea headline I'm seeing of transfer rumors are player exits as opposed to links to the club. Um, but it's going to be... Time to wheel and deal, I guess. Um, if these owners, if they're going to pump money into the club or if they are going to sell players, what they're going to do with that money. Um, it's kind of that time to where Chelsea almost, kind of like Manchester City, but not nearly as successful in the most recent years, but just bought everybody. Um, you bought everybody and you're going to hit on something. You know? You're going to hit with some good players and um, that's going to be less so now. Um so they got to be smarter with their signings. Um, what do they look like up top? Are they going to start Timo as a striker? Are they going to keep Lukaku? N'Golo Kante did not look great this year. Um, had a lot of injuries, but he's kind of aging a little bit. Got a lot of question marks on this Chelsea team. Um, Christian Pulisic's dad uh, having to uh, drive his little boy to, to the stadium. Is he going to want the his boy to play at, uh, I'm just kidding at Chelsea though, but for real, they have a lot of questions and drama, so much drama wrapped up in this team. Um, and I think you look at the teams outside of the top four, I mean, Manchester United, they don't look good at all, but I mean, it's Manchester United. So you never know. Um, teams like Arsenal, um, Tottenham, who finished fourth, um, teams beyond that too. I mean, so you look at West Ham and all these other good teams. So I'm curious, uh, it's going to be, Chelsea better be ready for it. It's going to be a quick turnaround. Um, who knows how they'll play with the World Cup in the middle of the year this year. So that's going to be an obstacle. Uh, I hope it goes well. Um, no, I'm yeah. just kidding. No, I don't. I, I hope they move down to 10th place. As a Tottenham <laughs> fan, I don't give a rip about Chelsea. But, but I don't mean 8th next year, but maybe within the overall, next two yeah. to five years, like they could drop like that if the investment doesn't keep up. 
I will say, and I sort of forgot about this. They have a ton of loans, like not money, but like mm -hmm. loan players that are good that came from their academy, right? Or they bought and then loaned back out. Um, so they have those assets as well, whether they can move money around like that way or bring those players back um, and make them play for Chelsea. I'm just trying to be optimistic, I think, but like, there's a lot of assets there as well that can, that can be moved or, you know, put into that team that that would fit probably pretty well. And I think Tuchel could get a lot of those guys, but. I think Chelsea's still a pretty talented team. Um, I think the biggest question mark will just be, how do you replace Antonio Rudiger? Um, I think Andres Christensen will probably be on his way out and it's Phil Cueta. So replacing those three guys, you have Ben Chilwell coming back from injury. Um, if Marcos Alonso, if he stays or not, um, Reese James, though. But you have two pretty good right and left backs. Uh, Mason Mount had a good year. Um, you got Billy Gilmore coming back from loan. You have Connor Gallagher coming back. Um, so they have some talented midfielders as well. Mateo Kovacic um, and Gold Conte is still solid. You still have Kai Havertz. So you have the talent there. Um, yeah, is Christian Pulisic, is he going to stay? Now that the American owners are there, they're going to want to kind of prop him up still. Um, or is he going to go to Liverpool if Sadio Mane leaves? That's a question mark potentially. Um, if he's made available, but I think they'll be fine in 2022, 2023. Um, I think what you're saying is right, Brandon. If it's the long-term investment, where will they land? Um, but I think for the short term, they'll be able to stay afloat just because they still have a lot of young talent that's still there. Um, it's just a matter of defensively. That's going to be the biggest question mark going into this next season is what can they do to replace those big names stepping out? Um, but other clubs in turmoil. We mentioned Manchester United. Uh, Ralph Ragnett's era is officially over. He's not even staying on as an analyst. He is just moving on to Austria. Uh, the unthinkable has happened. Not really. Sarcasm, if you didn't pick that up. Uh, the Eric Ten Hag era officially begins, and they'll have to make plenty of new decisions. They've had some rough ones over the years. Uh, I think the Harry Maguire one has really stuck out in the eyes of many, um, but... Some of the things that have happened this offseason, Juan Mata is leaving. He had a great tenure in uh, Man U, just obviously growing older, maybe not the most uh, notable contributor to the team anymore. Um, Jesse Lingard has been in the club since he was like nine years old, is finally leaving. Maybe Matic is stepping out. Um, the big, I think, player that people will be wondering is what is Cristiano Ronaldo's future? Uh, this is a guy that I think lives and breathes Champions League football. Uh, can he handle one season without it? I don't know. Uh, but for you guys, the state of menu, are they better today than they were at the beginning of 2021-2022 season? Uh, maybe getting some dead weight off their club? Yes. Um, if they keep Cristiano Ronaldo, also yes. Um but also, I don't know. You can make an argument for no. I don't know. We'll see. All I'm saying is moving those players now opens up way for new players to come in. Paul Pogba, I didn't, I didn't even write this in there, but Paul Pogba will definitely be leaving. Um, so they're, I think, going to be primed to make some signings, some good ones. They're already talking to um, – what's his name, Steve? Um, at Barcelona, um, the midfielder. Have you guys seen these rumors? No, no, no. The, the Ajax kid. Oh, Frankie de Jong. Frankie, yeah, who wants to stay at Barcelona, but I guess Man U is pushing hard for him. Um, so 
you know, we'll, we'll see if they can get Frankie de Jong in. Um, I don't know, man. Manu is still Manu though. I feel like they'll still make bad transfers, but they've made a couple changes in the, in the office. Uh, we will see, but I think them getting Jay Ling's out, Juan Mata out, Matic hopefully leaving. If they keep Cristiano Ronaldo and move on from Pogba. I think it'll be a new Manchester United, hopefully a new breath of fresh air for them. It'd be nice to see them try for, you know, top four and, and push, push the big dogs. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I think they're worse um, probably, but maybe trended in the right direction. I mean, going into this year, we were literally talking – Man United, I mean, I don't know, maybe not like mainstream, but it was talked about potentially challenging for the title. I mean, that's that was kind of the expectations with, you know, Varane and all these guys coming into this team. Or, or that's problems that uh, Chelsea. But anyways, um, it's no, crazy, right. though. Varane um, came to Man U. Yeah, to United. Okay. Who's that? Who's that? Tiago Silva. That's what I got mixed up with. Um, but yeah, I mean – it's nice to shed the dead weight, um, but they've made so many bad signings. I think, you know, I've heard rumors of, you know, just give Ronaldo the captain's armband. It'll stay. Um, I think he'll stay out of not necessarily out of want, but just out of being stuck there, but losing Pogba on a free hurts um, a lot. Uh, the amount of money that they spent on him on two separate transfers. Um, and I'm curious to see as they play in this Europa league coming up, what kind of players they go after. Uh, again, Frankie Diong, I did see that he was rumored to go there and getting asked about going to um, Manchester United. He had said, I'm at this club. I'm at this club. But then I think the reporter had asked, well, if the phone rings, do you answer it? And he goes, well, of course you always answer the phone. And so it's who knows, honestly, players have a ton of power now in this day and age of soccer as well. Um, but yeah, I don't think that they'll be competing any time soon for the top four, but you never know. Ronaldo could prove me wrong. It's going to be interesting. Um, yeah. Who would want Ronaldo right now is the question. Like realistically, like who could take him, you know, like I don't really think there's another landing spot for him. So I think he'll be, like we said, he'll be stuck in menu. Hopefully he doesn't view it as it being stuck. Hopefully it's an opportunity to achieve something. Um, but what can they achieve is the big question. Um, is it getting a lower European trophy um, or is it achieving top four? Um, if I'm a part of that menu organization, top four has to be the highest priority. Uh, but there's so many leaking holes still left. You have what? who is Marcus Rashford? Who is he going to be in the future? Is Jane Sancho, Sancho going to find who he was supposed to be? Um, there's still so many question marks, so many like holes you get to fill. Like realistically, I feel like top four next season is going to be Liverpool, Man City for the title. Tottenham's going to be in the top four, and if West Ham is anything like they were, they'll take that four spot. I think Chelsea, Man U will be the Europa League teams probably, and then whoever wants to take seventh can have it. But yeah, it's going to be a weird year next year, depending on how I guess the summer has to happen before we can give some firm predictions, but. Man U, I think, are in a healthier place. I think they had to go through a lot of trauma to get to the healthy place. They had to hit some rock bottom a little bit. But they can look forward instead of having to 
you know, worry about who's driving the bus. Is it Ole driving the bus or who's driving the bus? And so um, they're in a better place overall, um, but there's a long summer ahead of us full of transfers and um, money to be spent as well. So we'll um, certainly be addressing. Go ahead. Could you imagine real quick if they didn't have David De Gea play the way he did this year in goal? I don't think they would have finished on the top half of the table. That's that's what Cole and I have talked about. Like it's it's either David De Gea or Cristiano Ronaldo as the best player of the year, and like I feel like you don't want those two guys to be your best players of the year. I don't know. Yeah, he kept them in so many games and won them so many games. De Gea, Um, it's crazy. It's crazy, crazy. Yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. Pressing refresh on every Twitter site. Fabrizio Romano on Reddit. Every time we can get those news, uh, we're it's it's live. Transfer season is live, so very very exciting time to be watching soccer and everything going on around the world. A uh, couple quick notes from MLS. Last time since we talked, Charlotte has fired their head coach, which disaster. I don't I, Charlotte. What is Charlotte? I don't know what they are right now. They're they're not succeeding. Uh, he was a mess of a hire from the beginning, having no confidence in his players. I think the Charlotte organization has had like weird financial things going on because they're owned by the same Panthers ownership. So it's just sort of weird what's been going on. Um, so odd time to be up in Charlotte, but um, yeah. And Atlanta United here at home, more players getting injured. Uh, just can't get away from the injury bug. So uh, MLS will be back soon after the international break, uh, picking back up in June, probably in a week or so. And we'll be back to cover that. But that pretty much wraps things up today on The Bad Fan. Thank you again for tuning in. Uh, If you've enjoyed our time together, getting close to an hour here, please give it a thumbs up. It's free. Only takes a second of your time. It helps us out so much at The Bad Fan. Our goal is to get 100 subs by the summer. Well, the summer is pretty much here. um, But we do want to invite more people to join in. uh, Get a chance to hear about sports roundups, our opinions on different things. Uh, whether it be entertainment like the Obi-Wan Kenobi show we might talk about that a little bit video games are coming up big events uh, in regards to that big announcements and news Um, but get involved in the comments let us know what your favorite part of the episode was today what you want to hear in the future episodes Uh, find us on Instagram and Twitter where you can get involved there as well Uh, the link tree is in the description if you need help finding those links and um, yeah we're so glad you joined us Uh, all of us here at The Bad Fan hope you have a great day uh, I certainly have enjoyed our time together. Steven, glad to have you back with us. Brandon, the mainstay of the group. Always a pleasure to share time with the boys. Uh, really grateful you guys made it all the way to the end. We'll see you guys next time. Until then, stay healthy and peace out.